Coming up on today's show. Everyone who got this email, by the way, thought it was a scam because we've never heard of a festival in South Korea. And at this kind of scale, there's there's a grand prize was like eighty thousand dollars. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. I say this all the time, folks, but I honestly do really mean it. Please give me your feedback on this show. Yes, through email or through social media DMs, those are both perfectly fine. But honestly, I would love to actually talk with you by phone. I'm going to tell you how specifically you can do that coming up during this episode. Joining me today on location at the NAMM Show in Anaheim, California, my guest is a singer, songwriter, international performer from Los Angeles who got her start busking on the streets in the L.A. area, but has also played festivals around the world, including South Korea, where she placed fifth in the 2022 Buskers World Cup. Her YouTube channel has amassed over 800,000 video views, and she has released several albums as an unsigned independent artist, including two that were crowdfunded through her social media following. We've been hearing a song of hers called Love Ain't Simple. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Katie Ferrara. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. I know we've got a lot to cover, but... Before we get too far away from it, share first with the audience all about that song of yours that was just playing called Love Ain't Simple. Well, Love Ain't Simple, it's a song that I wrote during the pandemic. And it's a song, well, about relationships. I was really contemplating what love is to me personally and what I think it is um, on a universal level. You know, I, I think as a musician and many people in the entertainment industry, um, it, it's hard to maintain a relationship when you have this type of lifestyle. You know, if you're traveling and, you know, coming back home at weird hours <laughs> and stuff. So love isn't simple. <laughs> um, it, it really takes um, somebody who, who lets you be you. And, and I think love, it, it's about seeing the world through your partner's eyes and, um, you're not trying to change the person. So that's what Loving Simple is about. It's really about, you know, two people um, just really loving each other for who they are and experiencing the world through each other's eyes. I like that angle that you came at that from, though, of saying as a musician, it's really difficult, the lifestyle that you lead, because I still think, as any good songwriter would do, it leaves it very much open to interpretation because there could be someone that says... You think it ain't simple for you. Try being, insert, 
vocation here, right? A salesman who is constantly on the road or love ain't simple is right because he goes off to work and I'm the stay at home mom and we have five kids. So I love that you left it that people could say as you did. Yeah, we all do have our own different definition of what love is, what it looks like. And then flipping the script and say from our partner's eyes also. Yeah, that is very true. I mean, it's not just musicians. I mean, it could be everyone has their own definition of what love looks like. Yeah, and I like that because a lot of times on this show, and it's actually been quite a while since I talked about this, but I found that for many, many episodes, there was this recurring theme of, well, what does success look like? Because we all have our own different definition of success, and I'm talking about specifically in the entertainment business, Mm -hmm. and that's why I say that the guests who are on my show are guests who are having success in entertainment the way that Bruce Wozniak defines it, right? Because some guests get very humble and they go, well, I don't know why I'm on your show. I'm not doing music full time or I'm not as successful as some of the others that you have on. And I say, I look at what Katie Ferrara is doing and I go, she's having success in entertainment. That's for sure. <laughs> I Yeah, I like to say that I'm I'm successful. I, I, I think I am in, in many ways and I hope to be more successful and inspire people as well. Is music full-time for you? Yes, I, I play music all the time, from morning till the evening. Congratulations. Playing gigs, yeah. Congratulations, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's you. wonderful. Yeah, it's not easy to achieve, as you know. Uh, yeah. So I would say that right off the bat, you've already checked one of the boxes on the she's having success, she's doing it full-time after all. So I introduced you as being from Los Angeles. Is, is that where you're from originally? And then for that matter, how did you get your start in music? Um, yeah, I, I grew up in L.A., and I grew up in a place called Eagle Rock, and I was just um, explaining that it's a little area of L.A. between Glendale and Pasadena, and there's a Eagle Rock. That's why it's called <laughs> Eagle Rock. There's an image of an eagle flying on this rock, and um, I went to school, and I didn't think I would ever become a musician. I thought... I'll just become a teacher. I'll get my psychology degree. Wait a minute. Tell the audience how big my eyes got when you said that. I didn't <laughs> think I was going to become a musician. I went, what? I'm listening, <laughs> but that really got my attention. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I didn't think I could because, um, you know, the, it, it's hard to make money and the lifestyle is not for everybody. And um, I just, I don't think I had as much confidence as I, I do now. I think, I think the transition to telling myself, Hey, maybe I could do this uh, full time. I mean, that took, I don't know, five, six years of just trying different things out and then finding what worked and then really just sticking with it. And, and I think like, I don't think anybody says I'm going to be a full time musician. I think it's very, very true. You, you maybe you start in one field and then you keep doing something and that works for you. And, that becomes your full-time career. You could be production or it could be teaching. It could be being the artist. It could be, um, I don't know, working for a music company. But it's gradual. It's gradual. Saying, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. But yeah. so when and how did you even start into music in the first place? Just because you said this wasn't <laughs> something that I planned on going into. Yeah. So at some point you must have dipped your toe in the water and then it was gradual. Yeah. Um, well, I, I always had like an interest in 
singing. I was in my high school choir, and then in college, I was in my dorm room, and I was with my guitar, like, playing covers in between my classes. I was going to school for psychology, and so every time I come back, I'd be like, oh, I'll go on YouTube, and I'll learn a song, or I, I took music classes as well, and then wow. when I graduated, I, I just, I went to open mics, and I would play songs that I was writing, um, and then uh, I went to, to London for a little bit. That's I would say that's really where I got my, my start in music. I, I met um, a producer out there, and we started recording some of the original songs that okay. I was writing, and... Um, and then I came back here, and I was trying to find a way to make money, and um, I, I noticed someone was playing on the Santa Monica Promenade, and I asked them, I said, hey, like, how do you um, perform out here? And they said, oh, you have to get a permit, and you can get an amp, battery-powered amp, and just set up and play, and, and I thought that was so cool. So um, I, I made this New Year's resolution. It was, like, 2014, I think. Um, I said, I'm, I'm going to play on the promenade once a week. Let me interrupt you because again, we've just started and I'm already taking my hat off to you again, because I think what happens in cases like that is you get all excited about an idea and somebody tells you just the slightest, slightest little hurdle that you have to get over. And I think for most people, they would hear you have to get a permit or you get this amp and you're like, I don't want to, I didn't know this is something I got to get a permit for, or oh, I didn't know I was going to have to invest in some whatever. And so it's real easy to talk yourself out of doing something. And so good for you that you talked <laughs> yourself into doing it. But I also love the part about Aaliyah Good. Uh, she was on very recently. She's a student right now mm-hmm. at the University of Miami. And I said, do the other students know that you are Aaliyah Good, the recording artist who's sitting in her dorm potentially right now doing this podcast interview while they're sitting in their dorm doing their project or doing their homework, doing whatever. And so I think it's really cool that you said you'd come back to your dorm from a class and be like, I'm going to put a video up on YouTube. And, you know, maybe after that, like 30 minutes later, you're sitting in a class and little does the student next to you know that Katie Farrar sitting next to them was just uploading a video of herself performing on YouTube. Um, And so that had to be kind of fun to, I'm going to say, sort of lead like a double life. You know, that he was like, well, here I am, the student, but little do you know that in my dorm room, I'm really like strumming away and writing yeah. songs. Because you were already writing original songs then, yes? These were originals you were uploading. Yeah, so I, um, well, I, I, I was uploading covers at the time, oh, okay. and I was learning material online. So I, was, I would look up artists that I really liked, and I would, you know, t- you know look for lessons online and, and learn how, I really learned how to play guitar, like, in between my classes. And then I, I my first song that I ever wrote, by the way, so I, I put this song out on my Spotify recently. Um, I, I've had this song in my back po- pocket since college. It's called Path of Lovers. And I always thought it was you know, a cheesy song, but I wrote it. This was like the first song, one of the first songs I've ever written. I wrote it for my boyfriend at the time. So I really wanted to tell him like, oh, I like you. And I want to see where this goes. <laughs> so I called it Path of Lovers and I played it for him. And I remember um, when I played it for him, he said, oh, nobody's ever written me a song before. I feel so special. And and that was really something that made me think like, oh, I could I could keep doing this. You know, I like making uh, people really happy. I like the look on his face when he was wow. like, oh, wow, you wrote me a song. <laughs> wow. See, that's interesting because yeah. I was thinking that you were going to say, 
like I can do this, like I can write songs, but it was more about, I can do this. I can affect a person and write something that, that brings out emotion in them. Let's kind of, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball because I mean, we're smiling and having fun and laughing and everything. And and it's, and it's a great story, but some challenges, talk about the challenges that you had to overcome along the way. Well, yeah, I would say the challenge of how do I make money doing this? I didn't have like formal training. I, I just, I felt like an imposter for a long time. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that really went away again, like your friend who nobody knew that she was an artist, you know, she was in the background in her dorm room. I started telling people I'm a musician before telling people, Oh, I'm a teacher. So mm. I would start just saying that first, introducing myself as the musician. Mm-hmm. And the more that I would introduce myself, like this is what I do, the more it became a reality. Mm. And I think that's so important. Like even before you, you try making money at something, even if you're not making money, it could be in any field that you're in. If you say, um, I am a uh, nurse. Okay, you're going to school to be a nurse if you just say that there people take you more seriously than Mm -hmm. if you just said oh i'm just a student right Mm -hmm. i'm trying to make an example perception is reality yeah i think that's the first step um but yeah i always i always had this challenge of like i didn't have a lot of confidence but also there the the money like where how would i how was i going to make money doing what I loved. And so that's why I always tell people, well, I really got my start in music when I started busking because I was playing these shows in, you know, uh, Hollywood on the strip. I was playing like house of blues and the Viper room and all the glorified venues. Yeah. And you have to sell tickets and bring people out. And I just didn't make any money doing that. And so as soon as Mm. I, Interesting. played on the street it's like people were giving me money for singing and i thought it was so strange because um you know here i am like struggling just to get people to listen to me but then i was out there playing and so the money was coming in and and so i it, it kind of just gave me more confidence in thinking like well i'll just keep doing this i'll keep showing up on sunday and playing in the promenade and and so it kind of taught me Okay, you can invest in yourself if you save this hundred dollars, two hundred dollars every time you go out there. You can buy a better amp, mm-hmm. and so I would buy a nicer amp. And the more I was out there, the more people I was meeting. The more um, I would post on social media. I would say, "Hey, I'm playing at this spot," and I'd take a picture, and then people would follow mm-hmm. me online, wow. and then I would get booked in venues. So. Um, you know, wineries and bars and hotels, they would see that I was playing out there and they'd send me a message and say, hey, would you like to come perform? Or maybe it was a couple, they'd stop by and they'd say, hey, would you like to sing a song at our wedding? Mm. And I would just start getting booked that way. Um, so I, I feel like the biggest challenge for me was, yes, it was overcoming, you know, I'm the I'm an imposter, right? Yeah, this isn't yeah. me, like I'm supposed to be a teacher and mm-hmm. I'm supposed to just 
Yeah, I'm going for a psychology degree. Yeah. Why am I chasing music? I, I guess society would dictate I'm supposed to follow through and do something with this psychology degree. Yeah. So you have this this psychological battle that you're fighting yeah. with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had the battle because I, I, and I went to college too because I thought, okay, I need to have that study degree, which I'm really glad that I have that. Um, I'm glad that I, I went to school and... I have that and and I and I think anybody in music it's good to have a day job as well. Like I I didn't start out just, you know, doing the music. You know, I of was course. I was substitute teaching um, you know, every single day and then I would cut back on that at, when I started to get more gigs and so now it's like I have the flexibility. I could work and do as many gigs as I'd like mm-hmm. or I could take mm-hmm. time off. Um I I think you know, the biggest challenge for artists is honestly is is funding so and and so that's where the record labels come in i mean in the past i think a, a record label would give artists um the funding to go into the studio they give them all this upfront money but i think now um you know it i don't want to say it's a scam because there there are indie artist deals out there but but i think some of the bigger record labels they they kind of take advantage of artists um they just care about your social media following and and they the, the amount that they're trying to recoup back from you, it's it's really hard to pay it all back. It's like having student loans <laughs> in the same <laughs> in the same way. I, I think, yeah, as an indie artist, you, you always have that challenge of like, how am I going to fund my original music? Um, how do I build a fan base? And um, you can't do everything on your own, too. I, I think a lot of it is um, finding your team. Okay, so I want to recap for the audience in case yeah. they're taking notes at home. So there's three challenges that you told us that you faced. One was imposter syndrome. Yeah. One was the financial challenges of becoming an artist. And then one was busking, which we're going to come back around to busking in a minute. But we played a song of yours at the beginning. We're going to play another song of yours at the end. And there's going to be people who are listening to this interview because they are already Katie Ferrara fans. There are already people who follow you and they want to hear all your interviews. But there's going to be people who are just being introduced to you for the first time who thank you those of you who are referring to it's because you're followers of the now you're this entertainment podcast and so you're just meeting katie for the first time and on your website it says that your writing style is quote honest authentic with an ethereal flair end quote can you expand on that as well as kind of describe what your writing process is because we've been talking about kind of more the performer side so I compose everything on my acoustic guitar, and so I think that's where the the honest side to my music comes from. When I when I write my lyrics, I I write from a very um, personal place. I you know I like to journal, and I I also think that I I, I don't like being someone I'm not. If I have something to say, then I just I say it. Um, and I think the etherealness sometimes comes out in the melodies. So like on her path, I think it sounds a little ethereal in, in, in some ways. Um, I'm trying to think of like Wolf Cry as well. Wolf Cry is a song on Spotify. It's, a, it's spiritual. I, I, I don't know why I, I gravitate to those topics. I think because maybe personally... Sometimes I, I know it's really selfish. <laughs> I think a lot of artists do this. I think they write for themselves, but by mm. writing for a song for themselves, they they actually are helping other people because they are speaking their authentic voice. 
And because they're not the only ones going through that. And they're not there's the nobody, only ones. There's nobody in the world who is the only person going through something that they're going through. But I want to challenge you a yeah. little bit because you said that you like to journal. So do you ever look at your journal? And now I'm going to put you on the spot because you just <laughs> said I like to be authentic and uh, transparent, all the buzzwords nowadays. Do you ever look at your journal and go, oh, well, I can't write about that. I can't put yes, that in the song. Yes, all the time. <laughs> so how is it pretty simple to make that decision? Or is there some stuff that you look at and you go, ah. It might be therapeutic for me. It might help somebody else. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'll write about this after all. Do you, do you have those periods, those battles? I have those battles all the time. I mean, I had a song that I, I just finished. I put I put a snippet up on my Instagram, and it was my last relationship. And I, I felt like, oh, I don't want to put this up because what if he sees it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And also because of what I was saying, I was I was saying, well, this person he's he's it's called good on paper so he's everything about him seemed like a good idea but in actuality um i i feel like as women i mean maybe not just as women but i think i'm just saying i'm generalizing like this could in any sort of relationship but i think more so with women i think we give men a lot of credit just for being nice in a relationship and that was really hard for me to say in a song because I'm like well if I say that in a song I'm going to polarize my audience I'm going to have lots of men in the audience thinking like well she doesn't like guys or you know she has something Mm -hmm. against guys but I'm like but that's my truth and maybe there are other women in the audience that feel the same way I don't know but but you have to take that risk right yeah I mean you could write a song about horses and have people say you know (laughs) I don't like I don't like horses this song is is three and a half minutes wasted in my life and it's like okay you know what I can't write every song for every person in the world so but I love this idea of good on paper because what what a cool concept because I'm thinking back to my bachelor days and when I was on Match.com and you, you would look at people's profile and you're like, yeah. boy, they seem to check all the boxes. Yeah. And then you meet them in person, you go on a date or two and you're like, oh, this isn't really who I hoped they were going to be <laughs> by what they seemed to present some, themselves as, right? Seemed to yeah. present themselves. I think the challenge is what a, what a great hook I have here. How do I write that into a song? So yeah. you found a way to do it. Yeah. I finished the song. I put it up. And, and I think... It, t- it took me um, several tries at finishing the lyrics because I had completely different lyrics like mm. a month ago. And then I went back and I was like, mm, I could say this better. I could say this better. So it wasn't all like I, when I write songs, sometimes they are in one sitting. Sometimes I'll just write something just to finish it and then I'll come back and I'll tweak the lyrics a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll talk, you know, with my friends. I'll go to open mics. I'll get feedback from people i think that's always good to find trusted people you can share your music with because maybe you write something and yeah you could say it in a better way yeah and i think it's important that you test it out in a variety of different settings and to a lot of different audiences because you don't want to alienate your fans but if one person says on instagram you know I don't like the line about X, Y, Z, and they have no basis for it, then you go, well, I'm not really sure where that person's coming from. Whereas if someone says, I think there's a slant rhyme that you could use in the second line, in the second verse, and you go, okay, this person sounds like they know a little bit about writing. Yeah. You know, if someone says, I think the whole bridge itself could be a little stronger, or I think melodically, you know, you could, whatever, you're going, okay, these people are songwriters, or I'm hearing this from enough people in enough different environments that you go, okay, you know, this is why I haven't 
fully finished the song yet, but I but I love that you're open to, you know, quote unquote, testing it out on Instagram yeah. um, so that you do kind of let your followers see, like, I don't just finish the song all at once. It's, it's a work in progress. Yeah. And, and I think too, I, you know, I, I like to be open to feedback, but again, you have to decipher, well, who is the person who's just, you know, they are a hater. They don't like this. And who's someone who's like, okay, they're, they're, they, they're critiquing it, but they, maybe they are a songwriter. Like I have another song, it's called Ride. And I remember I put a snippet on my Instagram last year and the songwriter from the UK, he, um, messaged me and he said oh what do you think about changing this line to this and I was like wow he's a really great lyricist I would love Mm. to work with him and so we were emailing afterwards and he co-wrote that song with me and I ended up um you know putting it together with the band I'm in the studio now I'm recording it and it's 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 been really great to just for me to open myself up and just open up to maybe the possibility that maybe there's somebody out there who could make a song better. So do you typically write the songs by yourself and it's a, or, or do you do a lot of co-writing and I just haven't picked up on that yet? I, I, I like to write on my own. Um, I also like to co-write. Um, I typically, I mean, it's, it's easier to write on your own because you don't have to wait around for anybody. Yeah, but yeah. I, I definitely love um, co-writing with people. I think it's finding the right people sure. to bring the song sure. to. Yeah. But coming back full circle, then it sounds like you're telling me that there are times when you'll look in your journal and you'll go, "No, that's off limits. I'm I'm not writing about that. That's that's staying in here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There there's some stuff that I I I don't want to touch. Which I mean, maybe I'll write about again. It's it's finding the the right time. Yeah, I was going to say it depends on the place you are in your life. Mm. And, you know, it may not, you may look at it today and say, that's never coming out. And 18 months from now, there you are writing a song about something that you thought you'd never do anything with other than leave in the journal. Yeah. Uh, folks, if you didn't ever, ever hear it, back on episode 262, also recorded here in Anaheim at a past NAM show, my guest was Natalie Gelman, who actually had been on episode 164 as well. And that one, too, was here at a NAMM show. And one of the things I talked about with her was the fact that she was doing busking down in the New York City subways. Katie, I want to come back around to this topic again. Again, Is it really true that someone can type your name into Google Maps yes. to find you busking? Uh, how does how does somebody get that to happen? Um, so this was in 2018. Um, there was an artist. He's a street artist, um, and he used to set up his paintings in downtown Burbank. His name is George Shaloub. Mm-hmm. And one day I came down there to busk, and he had painted a picture of me on a utility box. And so this picture, it's based off of a photo that uh, photographer. So speaking of Natalie Gelman, I, I love her. She's a really great musician. Oh, we're we're cool good friends. That? Like cool. we, we talk to each other um, a lot, actually. It's a small world after all. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's an Ojai now. And um, yeah. So, so there's a photographer. Let me interrupt you. What Katie is saying is Ojai, California. It's O-J-A-I. Yes. She's not saying Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> In Ojai, California. <laughs> yes. Um, which I, I'd love to collaborate with her, by the way. She, I, I just, I think she's phenomenal. And there's a photographer, Justin Higuchi. He's taken photos of both of us. Mm. Um, so Justin has this photo of me, like, in a poppy field. And, and George, he 
took that photo and he turned it into a painting and put wow. it on this utility box. And um, my one of my fans, so uh, he had this crazy idea. He said, oh, Katie, I'm going to put this on Google Maps. <laughs> so now you're a landmark. Wow. Because <laughs> you can put anything on Google Maps. Oh, okay. So he, he, he put it up there. And, and some of my, my friends, I took pictures with the utility box. And people wow. can leave a review. And wow. So I tell people, like, if you want to find me, just find me on Google Maps. <laughs> I, I'm Hopefully, until the, if the rain doesn't wash my face away. <laughs> it'll probably be there for another year or so. And then it'll be something else. But I you don't know, know. I've never thought of this before. But as you were describing busking before, I think it was when you said, you approached the fella on the Santa Monica Pier, it dawned on me, and I hope you understand the spirit with which I'm asking this, because you talked about, and, and again, if this was a video podcast, the viewers would have seen Bruce's reaction when she was mentioning the Viper Room, and House of Blues, places like this. It's like, oh my gosh, wow, you played there? Like, why don't I have that in my notes about you? Because I feel like when you're quote-unquote just standing on the Santa Monica Pier or you're just standing at this utility box playing, I feel like, and, and that's why I'm thrilled, by the way, that you're talking about opportunities that come from busking, of people asking you, can you come to play here? Can you come to play here? Because I think as a society, we are conditioned to look at a person playing a guitar on the sidewalk and assume that they're homeless and that they have mm-hmm. their guitar case open because they want us to throw them a few bucks so they can go buy a sandwich. Yeah. Did that? Did you ever battle with that? Or was it, no, Bruce, I always looked at it as this is a possible exposure opportunity, as a possible revenue source. Just help me through that. I I think it depends on where I was set up because... In Santa Monica, for example, they are really promoting a culture of the arts. So, mm. you know, they, they encourage people to go out and share their music. But if I were to set up, you know, on the side of the road, like at a farmer's market or maybe, you know, uh, sometimes even in Burbank, you know, when I was playing out there a lot, I, you know, I get some funny looks. And, and so... Half of me would have to like tell myself, "Oh no, you're you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not doing anything weird, mm-hmm, you know." Mm-hmm. And it really, if if there's a culture um, and a curated um, environment mm-hmm. that that's already been mm-hmm. set in place, it's not. It's a great opportunity. Like you go that. out there, and and I think also the more. Um, professional you are if you dress in a nice outfit i was waiting for you to finish so i could say i mean everyone's gonna scurry and they're gonna be like looking at instagram instead of listening to this interview please pay attention to what we're saying but katie is very pretty Ah. she's very pretty and so i think if you see someone that's very pretty like she is i mean the way that you're dressed today is is terrific and then if the person is very talented i think you're going to look at that person and go wow this person's really good look at (laughs) look at you know that they're that they have the rack together as opposed to, you know, someone who's tattered and torn yeah. and their guitar is probably beat up and maybe they don't even have an amp. You were talking about how the guy was telling you, you know, what kind you should buy and things like that. Yeah. So I think that coupled with the environment that you're in, like you're describing, kind of works on people's minds to say, like, yeah. this person is somebody as opposed to like, oh, I guess I'll give that guy a buck. Presentation is everything. And, and it, I would say it doesn't matter if you know, you're self-employed or a musician, or if, if you're going in to your nine to five job, if you, whatever you wear is going to make an impression on people. Yeah. If, if you're out playing 
you know, at a farmer's market and you're in a really nice suit or a nice dress, people are going to take you more seriously. If you walked into this interview right now here in the media center at the NAMM show and I was sitting here with shorts and flip-flops and a tank top, you'd go, this is, this is... (laughs) This is it. This is the guy. This is what this is the interview I'm doing now, right? And I mean, like, I, w- I wouldn't blame you if okay. you were in Florida right now. And it was <laughs> well, like humid true. outside. I'd say, oh, wear the tank top. <laughs> and just, <laughs> yeah, and I'd, and I'd look at you and be like, what are you doing wearing boots. dress and boots? We're in Florida. Come on. <laughs> Go change. We're going to start the interview. <laughs> um, so this is cool to me. And I, I never knew about this before. Fast forward to the fifth place finish. In the 2022 Buskers World Cup in South Korea, that I didn't know there was such a thing. It's so cool. How how did all that happen? So I got an email. This was last year, and it was in, I think it was March, around this time, and it was everyone who got this email, by the way, thought it was a scam because we've never heard of a festival in South Korea, and at this kind of scale, there's there's the grand prize was like. $80,000. The first place winner got $80,000. As you were I, building up to that, I'm going to go, I, I was thinking she's going to say $10,000. $80,000. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that, was, so that definitely has scam written all over it. Yeah. It's, I, everyone email. thought it was a scam, you know, <laughs> an email and they didn't have much of an Instagram presence, but you know, I thought, you know what, what the heck I'll just submit and see what happens. I mean, I just, I felt like, it's the first time that they're doing this festival. Maybe they're, maybe they're just building it up. Who knows? I, I'm not going to have any assumptions. I'll just, so I submitted a video of me performing at city walk. City walk is, mm-hmm. is where I, I busk once a month now. And, um, I submitted a song called the best is yet to come. And, um, they, they sent an email back and they said, Oh, you, you've made it through the, the, the round first it's an round original of, song of yours it's original were, song. They re, were they requiring people to send in does it, did it have to be an original song it could be a cover or an original song mm, interesting yeah. do you have do you have kind of a go-to like when i busk like i always do you know such and such by john bon jovi or do, do you have like your favorite covers like, yeah that you always yeah i i would say i oh, i really love um valerie like amy winehouse i love um Dido. I played Dido today at the the NAM hmm. show. I opened with that because I thought, okay, there's going to be people walking by. I need to get their attention. But so for this Buskers World Cup, you sent an original. Sent an original in. Um, I just felt like I don't. Know, I wanted to take a risk because hmm. <laughs> I I think every artist. I mean, as much as we love playing covers, we do want to play our original music. And and I consider myself a performer, but I I consider myself an artist. And I think at some point you you do make that transition of like, okay. I need to have faith in my own music. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I sent in this song and I, I made it through and they said, OK, we're we're going to fly you out to South Korea. Um, October, I think it was October 10th or October 8th. They 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 booked the tickets. And, and then so I messaged some of the other uh, participants so, and I said, hey, did you get an email from this festival? And they said yes. And. And I was like, well, where are you going to stay? And so we, we created like a group on WhatsApp uh-huh. and we all booked the same hotel. Nice. And I started going on Duolingo. I was like trying to learn uh-huh, some uh-huh. Hangul Korean. <laughs> right? I was learning a little bit. I I learned Annyeonghaseyo, which is a hello, and and fighting, which is good luck. <laughs> um, so this was, what is that? Six months ago, this was this past October. Yes, yeah, this was past October. Wow! wow. Yeah, and they, I couldn't believe it. They they flew me out. They flew. Um, mm. There were sixty four international acts that were flown out. Wow! Yeah, 
And then the rest, I think there was like 50 that were local bands. And mm. we were performing at this festival for two weeks. And there were different rounds. Oh, my gosh. There's three rounds of finals. And so you have 10 minutes, or we had 10 minutes to impress the judges there. And I, I really so learned cool. a lot. It was like boot camp for me because in those 10 minutes, I mean, you really have to utilize the time. And so I'm so used to just talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember my first set, I thought I got knocked out because I played, I played Love Ain't Simple, which is a long song. And then I was going to go into Amelia and I played half of Amelia and then they they just interrupted me and cut me off. And I thought, oh, shoot. Yeah, the time. <laughs> but, and I was at seven minutes. I think their timer was broken. But but it made me really think, like, when you when you have such a small time frame, you really got to hit the audience yeah. quickly. Yeah. And so for my next set, I only played one song. I played The Best Is Yet To Come. Mm. And I told them, I said, well, if you want to hear another song, The Best Is Yet To Come. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to put me through to the next round. And then they did. They put me through that one, and and so for the third round, I played, um, I played a cover in that one, and I played I played Help Me Up, which is an original, and then I I went into Natural Woman, and I was really trying to engage the audience because I was watching the other performers, and so mm. they would get people to clap, mm. they would get people to sing along to their songs, and so I thought, okay, okay, if that's what they're doing, we're gonna do that on my songs. We're gonna I'm gonna get the audience to clap along to Help Me Up. And I'm going to, you know, call the ladies in the audience and say, hey, this song is for you and dedicate this song to all the women in the audience. And and I think that really helped with the performance because a lot of a, perf- a performance, especially when you're playing for a large audience, like there were, you know, 300 people sitting out there mm. in the amphitheater is... Um, really engaging the crowd and i'm so used to playing these small like songwriter shows where you know you're playing really sad emotional song (laughs) those are great for like an audience of you know 15 people because you can play your dark and intimate songs but when you you get on a bigger stage like that it's it's really about bringing the energy to i think a universal level what a great experience for you in so many different ways. And, yeah. and this is this is wonderful. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear all this. This is episode 480. The show has been on time every week for more than nine years. And this is the first that I've ever heard talk about, ever heard a guest talk about a busker's World Cup or talk about busking to the extent that you have. And this event that you went to yeah. in South Korea, like I said, I mean, I, the fact that you're there for two weeks and all these lessons that you learned are, are so, yeah. so valuable. I'm joined today on location at the NAM show in Anaheim, California, by singer, songwriter, guitarist Katie Ferrara. Visit her official website at katieferrara.com. I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. On her website, look for the original music section where you can purchase Katie's original music. You can also stream it by clicking on the icons for Spotify and SoundCloud, both of which are platforms that you can listen to the show on. Do also check out the store section of katieferrara.com for quite an array of merchandise that she has. And of course, look for the social media icons on Katie's website to follow her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as to subscribe to her YouTube channel and watch all the videos she has on there. She is also on TikTok as Katie Ferrara Official. Two nights before this episode was recorded, I was at the April meeting of the Florida Podcasters Association. Before it started, I was talking with a longtime podcaster who currently lives in Key West, but was one of the charter members of the FPA. 
after he told me about the success that he's having, I was telling him about the OWL app and the people that I've been connecting with through that, the folks who've been calling me on OWL. You could just tell that he totally got it. He saw the value and the power, the opportunity in it right away as I was still talking. He picked up his phone and downloaded the OWL app. Keep in mind that even though I talk about them every week, they are not a sponsor. They're not paying me to talk about them. By the way, this is like the bird, except with two W's and two L's. The app is free to download. I have instructions, links to get it from the App Store or Google Play, and I have the invitation code, which is a required field when you're setting it up on your phone, in an article on my podcast website, nhte.net. Tap or click the home button on nhte.net and then dig into the article that I'm referring to. The headline is Help Now an App um, Phone Call Away. Katie, you have traveled to Europe also and down to New Zealand. Tell the audience when, why, how, maybe a story that stands out from those travels. Yeah, um, so I've played at several European festivals. Um, My favorite one, I would say, was in Coeur. It's called uh, Busker's Coeur. These are all um, street festivals. Mm. So there's um, a lot of um, theater performers like uh you know people doing tight rope walking Mm. and and like fire spinning and and then there's singer songwriters like me Mm -hmm. (laughs) performing um so my favorite place to play was was in switzerland i i've also played in ferrara in italy Mm. so city in northern (laughs) italy that's my last name i like to tell people that because sometimes people can't pronounce my last name (laughs) and i say it's it's a city in northern italy (laughs) and i've been to Many people's last names are, are like European cities. And I was thinking that like Wozniak compared to Ferrara. Like <laughs> how could you have a problem with Ferrara? Wozniak I could see, but <laughs> you're, you're here to say otherwise about your last name. <laughs> Wozniak. I like your last name. I can't say thank you because I didn't create it, but <laughs> <laughs> please carry on. Yes. <laughs> City in Northern Italy. Yes. I, I, I played there. That was in um, 2017 and 2018 was Switzerland. Um, New Zealand was 2015 and that was through Toyota. I did a, um, it was a contest that I mm. had um, participated in and I got to perform in Auckland um, then there were six people in the band and we, we traveled all over the country wow. through that. Yeah. Wow. And I just assumed, which is always a bad word, that everything that you've been talking about, the, the Buskers Cup, uh, the Northern Italy, the New Zealand, I just assumed all this was you by yourself. So tell me then with all the gigs, all the traveling, who are some people that you like to work with? Uh, like in terms of the the travels that I've done, no, or just musically, in musically, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, uh, in terms of re- recording, can I talk about that? Please. Yeah. Um, so I've I've always worked with um, my friend Patrick Joseph. He's a producer and singer songwriter from LA, and and we've uh, we met at a night called Monday Monday at the Hotel Cafe, and that happens well every Monday, and we met. That was. Like when I first started busking in LA, we, that's when I got started in my, with my music. So he, he's been collaborating with me up until now. And I also love working with um, Ted Wolfers. He's another producer. Um, I've worked with um, John Kleinbell. Um, Warren Hewitt is another one. Um, 
And then in, in terms of my bandmates, you know, I've, I've played with many musicians during the years. Um, my band today is composed of John Urban, Michael Collins, and Paul Riddell. And they're all musicians I've just, I've met like at Hotel Cafe. I also love working with Fernando Perdomo. He's, he's also a great producer as well. He's, he played um, guitar and bass on On Her Path, which is one mm -hmm. of the songs that we're playing on the show. Mm -hmm. And also on Love Ain't Simple, he, he played on that song phenomenal guitarist and these are all people i've met in los angeles just playing gigs and going out to shows so you just mentioned the hotel cafe a couple times in there yeah. one of your albums is called live at the hotel cafe yeah. is that something that the venue offered to you or is it something where maybe you brought in your own engineer or how did that album come to be that was a live show that I did. I released Weightless, which was the first track off my full-length album, Break Free. And I did a show that night, and I got a recording from the sound engineer. And that was from Kevin Rogers, so big shout-out to him. Um, he did the sound that evening. And, uh, yeah, and I, had, I think I had Ted mix it. And so that's what the album is. It's just all the songs from that show. Because the Hotel Cafe is so well known, if there's anyone listening to this episode who is an aspiring performer and says, yeah, I want to get to the Hotel Cafe someday, how cool to learn from Katie that they'll record your show for you. Yeah. Is it a case of you telling the audience, make sure you understand there's a difference between them giving you the recording versus you record? Did you have to get their permission to you release to it as a live album? Uh, I can release it as a live album, but you have to ask them for the recording. And, and, and that's true for any venue you go to. Usually they have a recording package that you can purchase from the sound engineer. Okay. And folks, uh, I want to call back to something I mentioned earlier because it relates to what we're talking about right now. Back on March 1st, that was episode 472, I had mentioned Aaliyah Good, the one that's currently a student at the University of Miami. She talked about performing at Hotel Cafe. Other guests have on this show. In fact, last year when I was here in Anaheim for the NAM show, Ada Pasternak, that was episode 439. She talked about Hotel Cafe as well. I will put a link to both Ada's and Aliyah's interviews on the show page for Katie's episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. So you can go back and listen to those two ladies talk about Hotel Cafe and other ventures. Katie, my gosh, what an accomplishment. You crowdfunded two albums with your social media followers. Tell the audience all the details. And again, for those same up-and-coming entertainers who are listening, talk about how you made it happen, meaning you know, which crowdfunding platform specifically did you use? Had you used it before? Was it the same crowdfunding platform for, for both albums? And, and then, of course, you know, what about the mental aspect of watching it multiple times a day, <laughs> every day, I'm sure? Just give us all the details. Yeah, so I chose Kickstarter for my crowdfunding platform. And I chose it because of the visibility. There's a lot of people on there looking for projects to back. And I also um, just like the ease of, of sharing that page on my social media. I, I mostly share it onto my Facebook and to my Instagram. And um, the first album I did, I didn't raise too much money. It was like 6000 for the EP for Dreamcatcher. Mm -hmm. And and then the the full length album I raised twelve thousand. So at the time, you know, it was sufficient. I think now yeah. with inflation, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think most people are raising like fifteen thousand or twenty thousand for you know EP or album. Um, but but that was um, I think it was successful because I did a lot of the legwork before I launched the campaign. So 
I really made sure that my video uh, was concise and asked what needed to be asked. I made sure to include all of the details about who I was working with, how many songs mm. there would be. Um, I made sure that my rewards would be sent out to people. Um, and I also made a list of, you know, possible fans, people that might want to support. I, I think that's really important because some people, when they do these campaigns, they might not ask for enough or they might over ask and then not reach mm. their goals. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's really important to just take a look at your fan base and just kind of guesstimate like, okay, well, what types of fans do I have? Um, what, on what level would they want to help? Maybe this person just wants to share. Maybe this person wants to donate. Uh, Maybe this person, okay. uh, what, what, what would they want? And, and, and that kind of goes hand in hand with some of the rewards that, that you have. Like, you know, you can name someone as uh, executive producer yeah, yeah. on your album. And, and, you know, that's like a thousand dollars, you know, for a song. But I like that suggestion that you just made, though, of the people who are going to say, I can't afford to give you anything, but I'll happily share it for you. Because yeah. if they have a lot of people that they reach, then that's quite, quite helpful in and of itself. What did you mean when you said you made a list of fans that you thought, I mean, were you personally writing to them and saying, hey, Dave, I've got this Kickstarter going on. You know, I know you've been a big supporter. I hope you might be able to help me out. Hey, Marie, I don't know if you heard it. Is that what you were doing when you say you made a list of fans? Yeah, I would, I would, I would write personally to people wow. and say, hey, wow. um, you know, I've got this Kickstarter and I wanted to share my music. Uh, I would love for you to be a part of this album that I'm making. Mm. And I think people really appreciated that, yeah. you know, on top of me just posting online. Because I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, as an indie artist, um, we really rely on those personal relationships with people. And like even today, I, I had a fan from who supported my last two albums. So John, uh, if he's listening to this, I want to give John a, a shout out because he supported both of my albums. He came out to the NAMM show to see mm, me play. And fantastic. I thought that was amazing. I'm yeah. like, you remember me from, from the Kickstarter campaigns. <laughs> That's so cool. So, uh, you know. You just mentioned, uh, I do want to make sure that I give you a chance to talk about, and folks, believe it or not, I mean, Katie just finished performing here at the NAMM show. Specifically, she was over on the Marriott stage. So just, you know, share the, with the audience about the show that you just did. And, and by the way, was this your first time performing at the NAMM show? And, and, and also, you know, on, on a related note, there are some endorsements that you have. QSC, Yamaha, I imagine you're putting in some FaceTime with them while you're here. Yeah, so um, I, I've been going to NAM since like 2015. Oh, I've wow. gone to literally okay. every show <laughs> since 2015. I've performed at Antelope Audio, Mackie, um, what is uh, Roadie Tuner, The Beat Buddy. The Beat Buddy is based <laughs> in Florida. Yeah, Singular Sound. They, okay. they make a drum pedal. And I, I have some videos of me playing on my YouTube. A lot of people know me from those videos. <laughs> um, I performed with them over the years. And uh, yeah, this year, I'll definitely make an appearance with Yamaha. I gave Scott a shout out from Yamaha and Shannon. Um, and then Brad at QSC, I want to give him a shout out as well. Um, some some of the brands, they, it, NAM is smaller this year. So some of them don't have booths. But um yeah, this year is the first year I've I've performed for bands at NAM. Normally I'm at a booth, and it's just been really awesome to to perform with my band too. Most of the time I'm I'm doing things solo. Like in LA when I play restaurant gig, hotel gig, or you know even just bus, I'm by myself. Mm -hmm. um, touring, a lot of the time I'm by myself, 
and it really is a treat for me to to play with other people. So, I so really when we get you it. to come down to Tampa and you perform over there, it'll probably be by yourself. Maybe, or maybe I make some friends in Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> so this show that you just did over at the Marriott, what percentage were original songs and what percentage of your set were cover songs? I played one cover and then the last six were originals. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what's next for you? Any upcoming releases, plans to tour, maybe a music video, anything like that? What's What's on the horizon for your music career? Um, I'm going to be touring at the end of May. I'm going to be going to Seattle and I will be performing at a festival called Duval Days. And it's on June 3rd. And then I've got some winery gigs in the area. And then in terms of releases, I'm still deciding what single I want to put out next. I'm just, I'm putting out singles in my catalog. I've got material that I, I would like to put out another album. Um, but I'm still planning all of that. I have some things going on and I can't talk. I can't say too much about them. I have things going on this summer. And I, I, I wish I could talk about That's it. That's okay can't. because I always say it's incentive for the audience to follow you online and keep up with you so <laughs> yeah. that they see all these announcements as they get made. Yeah. We're going to close today with another one of Katie's original songs, one called On Her Path. Katie, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. So On Her Path is a s- single I put out last year, and it was for an organization called Water.org. And water.org helps bring clean water to communities all over the world. And I was um, asked to write this song. Um, I I was very inspired by the stories that I was hearing about women. They would be traveling for miles and miles carrying water to their families. And I Mm. thought, I want to write a song that really highlights the struggles that these women have gone through and I I saw myself you know when I write songs I really connected to that because you know these these women are they're going after their dreams they're they're enduring a lot and I really just wanted to highlight the feeling behind that and and bring attention to like not everybody has access to water so um the song Strange is called on her path in 2023 yeah. it's crazy yeah. Um, you know, we, we take it for granted in toilet water, for example, <laughs> <laughs> having access to, to flushing the toilet, you know. Um, so when you say that you partnered with water.org, yeah. was this like an official song that they used as part of a campaign or is it you were just kind of inspired by the work that they do and you just went over here and wrote that song on your own? I was inspired by the work that they did and I, I sent them the song and, and they used it in, in ah, the promo. Wonderful. So. Wonderful. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, you can find that on uh, YouTube. Okay. Awesome. Well, Katie, my gosh, so wonderful to meet you and really, really enjoyed this. I'm, I'm glad that we got to sit down and do this. So thank you for making time to be on Now Here This Entertainment. Thank you so much, Bruce. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. With that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Here This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitarist, and international busker, Katie Ferrara. Do visit her official website at katieferrara.com. Again, I will have a link to her website on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Remember that you can dive into her original music by clicking on the original music tab on her website. Do engage with Katie on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Be sure to check out her YouTube channel as well. Hit the subscribe button there, watch and like the videos that she has posted. And somewhere on all her social media channels, let Katie know that you heard her and her music 
on Now Hear This Entertainment. Keep up with Katie online to watch for upcoming releases where you can see her performing live, the things that she just said that she has up her sleeve that she can't talk about now. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on Now Hear This Entertainment. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you for having stuck with Katie and I, and I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, more than nine years without missing once by going on my podcast website, nhte.net, and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you will see there. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 480. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song by Katie Ferrara. This is the one she just talked about. It's called On Her Path. We all come from somewhere Journeys big and small Walking ten miles a day For watering away at all Hauling on dusty roads Jerry cans, a mother of four Clean water, sanitation She asks for a little more